Hi, everyone. Dr. B here. Thank you again for joining us. I am very excited about today's episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a little different. You've heard me talk about and complain about sippy cups, why it's bad for children. And, you know, my solution was pulling the carpets, putting away the glass cups and persevering with a a plastic tumbler. And so today we have way more solutions on that matter. And I think you're going to find this very exciting. And it really took someone with 27 years of experience, someone who's an inventor, I think an engineer, they had to engineer a solution for this. Dawn, thank you, Dawn, for joining us. She is a speech language pathologist and pediatric feeding and swallowing specialist. Bet you didn't know that vertical degree and expertise existed, but it's important. And we were talking earlier that she's frustrated by being the first professional to see kids, not the dentist. And I thought that was great, but at two years old, that's way, way too old. So today we're going to talk about her experience, about her products, what she's developed, why this is a wonderful solution for everything that I've been telling you not to do and why it's important for the development of your child and your infant. And in addition, we're going to talk about drinking and eating at a very young age and why that's important and why in today's age, you cannot accomplish proper facial development given the tools and utensils. Most of them are adult products, uh, why this is so important. So again, Don, thank you so much for all the work you've done inventing this product. Welcome to the show. I'm very, very excited. We've talked a lot, so we have to make sure we stick to the the basics here, right? <laughs> yes, we kind of go off on tangents. Exactly. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for yeah. having me here today. So first, I'm going to start with, I mean, I know you've worked hard on this. You have a lot of experience. You're a teacher. You are a, a professional. You see patients. But you also are owner, founder, and inventor. I mean, you're wearing a lot of hats of this incredible company that we're going to talk about the products today, products that I've been using with my grandchildren. At first, it was an experiment, and it went so well that, and also my daughter, that's how we got in touch with you. We just wanted to find out who is the person behind this stuff. So tell me more about how you got in from clinical work to Mm -hmm. the owner, founder, and being an inventor of Easy Peasy your companies. It's kind of a long story, but I'm sure as with your you know story, we kind of have similar ones. You get to a point in your career where you are tired of seeing the same mistakes over and over. And that if you've ever said in your head, like, I wish someone would invent X, then my career would be so much easier. Parents would have an easier life. Kids would have an easier way to be able to drink and swallow. If you've ever said that in your mind, then, and not have action come upon it, that is what I kept seeing in my career is kids, babies, toddlers, preschoolers, heck, even school age to picky eaters that are in college. I kept saying, well, if they weren't on a sippy cup, this wouldn't happen. Or if they weren't using this incorrect fork, this wouldn't happen. All of these delays, damages, and disorders that come from the abuse and misuse of everyday feeding products. And I'm a a huge Kickstarter junkie. And so my husband and I actually have a budget with Kickstarter. Like we can't fund X amount. And I saw on Kickstarter, the founder of Easy Peasy is Lindsay Lorraine. And she had the Kickstarter campaign and I saw it and I funded it. And I reached out to her and said, hey, if you ever want a feeding specialist to design developmentally appropriate products, I'm your girl. And she's like, come on board. (laughs) And we just moved and grooved and started developing products. Right now, we're the only brand that has a pediatric feeding specialist that specializes in infant feeding and swallowing, actually designing products. You go down the aisles at Target or Walmart, and you think that all of these products for children are actually made for um, experts. And that's just not true. As you know, I mean, this is the demise of, of well, it's, us it's, going It's just in a miniature clinically. version of what right. adults use. Right. I exactly. mean, and that's not what it should be. Right. And families don't know about milestones. So, you know, they may know about like walking milestones or, you know, crawling milestones, but they don't know about feeding, swallowing, oral motor, speech, language, dental. It's really difficult for us as medical providers 
to explain to parents what their child is supposed to be doing, but then not have the products to support Mm -hmm. the development we're asking them to do. And prior to designing these products, I would constantly tell parents, hey, did you know that your child, your baby is supposed to start drinking from an open cup between four and six months of age? They're like, how do I do that? How do I do that with these ginormous cups that are out there? How do I do that? And at the time before I invented this, I was saying shot glasses and because they're small and easy to do, easy to drink, but easy to grab. Easy to grab. Exactly. But they were knocking out babies front Mm -hmm. teeth. And then it's dangerous bringing glass to a baby, right? And just babies holding glass in general, right? They're banging it. And, you know, I had babies (laughs) cutting their hands, cutting their teeth. Then I'd be like, okay, well, let's use Dixie cups. And so the Dixie cups and the baby would grab it and squeeze it Mm -hmm. and everything would spill. Okay, let's use medicine cups, you know, but the American Academy of Pediatrics says, you know, no plastics for babies or the very top, the rim of the medicine cup would be sharp and have this sharp plastic and cut the baby's lips. So finally, I just had it and I was like, we need to have a product that's going to make it easy for parents to be able to provide their child with appropriate developmental skills and be able to not only help them make that first developmental milestone of drinking from an open cup, but actually it helps with speech development. It helps to protect the emerging teeth. It helps to be able to initiate that swallow. It's going to help them be able to protect their airway. So when they start solids, they're gonna be able to grasp that skill. It helps with speech development, language development, social skills. I mean, the list just keeps going on and on. So that's a, a long-winded version of kind no, of No, I mean, there's so much to, to take yeah. in, and, and I think that's wonderful. So you're really a co-founder, and you came on later, but I mean, just producing a product like this, I mean, yes. you are the core yes. and spirit of this company. It's I keep them out because I'm so inspired by them. They sit oh, back wow. on my ledge. Literally, I've moved them to the table here <laughs> for the episode. You. But you mentioned something, and that is, it's pretty obvious, and we've talked about it a lot at A2D. Why shouldn't a child be... I mean, a lot of children are still in the bottle. Why should a child learn how to drink properly at four to nine months? Why? It is so important for babies to actually start with this milestone and actually be able to have the ability to drink from a cup in order to get off the bottle. We want, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, as speech pathologists, we want babies to be off a bottle by their first birthday. And that's for multiple reasons. The first is because we want lip development to actually occur, which is lip closure. So it's the lips going over the rim of the cup as compared to the whole mouth movement onto a bottle. What that does is that lip closure really helps to facilitate a safe swallow. And if we think about it, if food is going down the wrong way and we're choking, the first thing that we do is kind of have that open mouth posture and trying to swallow. And then what happens is we close our lips and we do that to try to make a nice strong swallow or we do that in order to breathe through our nose to have the air pressure to produce that productive cough. Well, if babies have been on bottles this whole entire time, they don't have the skill set, that strength, lips are muscles, they don't have the strength Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So one, they're not learning to protect their airway. Two, they're not learning to be able to swallow effectively to get that tongue up to the roof of the mouth where it belongs for good swallowing. And also to be able to protect their airway as they're learning all those different textures for food. And then also for speech, the first sounds are lip closure sounds, the mm, pa, pa. Those are all lip closure sounds. If babies are stuck on the bottle, that's when I get those referrals from the state saying, ah, this baby still isn't talking. And the first thing I'll ask parents is, is your baby still on a bottle? Yes. And I'm like, you might not need me to come out and do this thousand dollar assessment. You might just need to get off the bottle, get onto that open cup and move forward. And then by that time, baby's delayed in speech, baby's delayed in language, baby's delayed in social skills. That doesn't Um, get spoken about too often. I mean, being on the bottle does delay And then what does that do down the road? I mean, if you're speaking earlier rather than later as a child or an infant, I mean, your interaction with the world is different. I mean, we talk a lot about facial development, the muscles doing the right thing to shape these soft bones. But what about social development? I mean, it doesn't get talked about often. Right. All based on how you drink. Exactly. And the effects are, so I see kids of all ages that have any type of feeding speech challenges 
And I'll see kids in, you know, preschool and the teachers will call me in, not even the parents, the teachers will call me in like, Johnny's having a really hard time, you know, at mealtime and I'll go see Johnny. Well, Johnny's still on a bottle. Well, guess what? All of the other kids don't want to sit next to Johnny because Johnny is drinking from a bottle and they call him a baby and teasing already at preschool, like insane because there's this social ramification of older children still being on a bottle, right? Right, And then there's this social ramification because they're still drooling because again, mm-hmm. they haven't learned that lip closure to stop mm-hmm. the drooling. Their oral motor movements are not completely developed. So their speech is more delayed. Their speech is more slurred. They still talk like a baby. So there are all of those social ramifications, not only with their peers, but also with the adults that are actually working with those children. So right. I'll have teachers say, oh, you know, yeah, Johnny, we just, you know, kind of let him sit in the corner and, you know, look and at drool. books and suck on their <laughs> bottle and drool, yeah. right? Instead of actually engaging right. them, right? Because those are the children that are actually more delayed. So it's just being able to kind of help to facilitate parents with the education that they need in order to make those tough decisions. Getting a child off a bottle is tough. <laughs> it's, it's going to disturb your sleep patterns. But it is something that children need to be able to go through in order to make all of these developmental movements. Feeding milestones precede speech milestones and Mm. feeding milestones precede language and social skills milestones. So we need to have that foundation in order for a child to build off of it, just like with all other areas of development. How would you recommend? So let's say some parents that are listening, they're probably very shocked to hear this. And they look over at their child who's sitting there on the bottle. Let's say it's a four to six month old. How would you recommend getting that child to get off the bottle and drink from this, which by the way, is also better for your dental health in terms of cavity formation, the swallow reflex, how long you hold the formula in your mouth, which in itself can affect caries, cavity formation. But let's get practical. How's a parent going to flip that child from a bottle? which they're very connected to. Some of these kids are holding the bottle by themselves. They have dexterity. Perfect. I mean, let's go through that. What does that look like? (laughs) So what I like to tell parents is this is a developmental stage and your child is going to love having that access to an open cup. So whatever you're putting in your bottle, if it's formula or breast milk, your baby knows the smell, the weight, the sensation of that liquid. And so we're not putting water in an open cup. We're putting breast milk or formula. And there's lots of reasons for that. The first reason is because of the sensory quality. Your baby is used to swallowing that type of milk. So we're going to offer that milk to your baby. Because it's an open cup, your baby's going to be able to smell that and say, oh, that's mommy's milk. Okay, I'm going to drink that your baby is going to be curious about this because this is a milestone. They're going to start reaching for that Mm -hmm. cup. That doesn't mean you just let go and spills happen. You are still providing that. The developmental milestone is at six months of age, babies are supposed to drink from an open cup held by an adult. Mm -hmm. It's not till 12 months of age that the milestone changes to babies should independently hold a cup and drink with some spillage. So At that milestone, we're holding that cup, but it can still be baby led. So I'm going to hold that cup with breast milk or formula. Baby's going to lean in because they're going to be so curious about that. And we're going to offer them a sip and take it away. Let baby swallow. What we're doing is we're engaging them to actually lean in. So instead of us putting the cup and tilting the head back, we never want the baby's head back, right? That opens up their airway. We want them to lean in. So one, we are teaching them to protect their airway by leaning in, just like you and I do. We lean in to be able to take a bite of food. We're teaching them to protect their airway. We're allowing them to have some control over mealtime. We're allowing them to engage their muscles, their lips to be able to have some good lip closure on to the cup. And then we're providing that nourishment. Now you can still at four to six months of age, still allow your baby to drink from the bottle, but being able to practice open cup drinking just five minutes a day, every single day, by the time that baby reaches that 12 month you know, birthday, they know how to do this. So when you right. take the bottles away, you're still gonna be able to measure 
the amount that your baby is drinking, you're still going to be able to know that your baby's being nourished because you have a solution to replace that bottle. That's a really important tip. The one you mentioned earlier, put breast milk in there or, yes. or formula. I would assume putting water in there would be the first thing I would do because I would be afraid to waste that formula or have it spill because right. it's right. harder to clean up. And the baby's going to smell that and they, they'll get a taste of water and then they'll recoil or, I mean, and right. then you, you attribute, the parent will attribute that to, they don't like to drink from in that way. So talk yes. about the angle. Uh, I thought that was yeah. fascinating. I mean, this is not just a simply designed silicone cup. I mean, it's weighted. Talk about the angle in terms of drinking and how that helps not get too much fluid in there all at once. Right. So the design is so different. I designed this to have it be cone shaped on the inside. And why I did that is because I said earlier, we never want the head tilting back. The more your child's head is back, the more their airway is open, the more that it's leaned forward, the more that the airway is protected. So I wanted to design a cup that allowed the child to be able to drink effectively without having to tilt their head back. So for example, if your child is drinking from a sippy cup, their head is tilted back, that liquid is potentially going down into the lungs, causing pneumonia, causing coughing. Mm -hmm. um, it also could trickle down into the eustachian tubes. Nasal congestion. Exactly. The ability Nasal not congestion. to breathe through their nose. Yeah. Yep. And then that's when mouth breathing starts. <clears throat> then we start having all these airway issues, all because mm -hmm. we're just using a wrong cup. Sorry, Don. Also, yes. the child learns to store the formula yes. in their mouth which is a whole different set of, I mean, they get good at that, but that's not good for eating solid foods. And yes. it's potentially dangerous, especially when you put your baby down, is the baby still holding yes. any fluid in their mouth? So, but go ahead. Sorry. Right. Absolutely. Great point. So we want babies to be able to take a sip using that great lip closure that I was just talking about, closing their lips around the cup, being able to pull that what we call in feeding bolus, so that liquid bolus, mm -hmm. lift up that tongue to actually push that food back. So if everyone in the audience can, no one's watching you, swallow your saliva and feel your tongue go up to the roof of your mouth. Mm -hmm. That's what babies are supposed to do. And that's the movement that helps to protect their airway. So if we exercise that tongue to come up and mm -hmm. have that really good angle, the child can breathe through their nose, be able to learn to start to hold their breath, which is very important for solid foods, very mm -hmm. important for learning how to drink from a straw. This is the prerequisite to straw drinking is open cup drinking. And we want to be able to facilitate that head being down to protect their airway. So I'm just going to show this again, Please. that if the cup is angled on the inside, then the child never has to tilt their head back. I can literally mm -hmm. do this angle and keep that nice and safe. Whereas if I'm trying to give a sip from a 360 cup type of mm -hmm. cup or a nosy cup, I can't do that. I have to tilt back. Right. Same thing with the sippy cup. I have to, in order to get this liquid, tilt almost all the way back. Right. And now we've got that ear that mm -hmm. is way back. Hasn't fully dropped yet, the eustachian, right? Exactly. Yeah. So parents will always say, oh, my child gets so congested after drinking. Mm -hmm. My child, after a meal or liquids, I can't even put them down. I have to keep them upright because there's just constant junk coming up. And I'm always saying, well, what kind of cup are you drinking from? And that angle is key. In our world, I speech pathologists do modified barium swallow studies, which is a swallow study with a radiologist and having right. an infant toddler drink barium and seeing if it's going down the right way or the wrong right. way towards the stomach or towards the lungs. And I have therapists all across the country saying that they're using the tiny cup and their babies are swallowing mm -hmm. correctly and having that good airway protected when a child is drinking. When they use another cup, it's not. So there's research that's going to be coming out that the design of this cup is actually protecting baby's airways and decreasing the risk of choking. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Most people won't pick up on this because it's not visible to them, but the angle, the inside angle is perpendicular to the floor and you've got this outside angle and that actually helps to pour with less motion and not yes. kick the head back so far. So why the two sizes? When do they graduate to the larger one? And also talk about the weighted base oh, yes. and also the material, silicone. Okay, great. Let's talk about the material first and the weighted base. So the beauty behind this design too is that 
children are going to want to hold on to the cup. And as you're you giving them the cup during that six month, nine month, 11 month mark, but eventually they have to hold this independently. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to weigh the pros and cons of open cup drinking, right? Trying to get a parent to get on board that, hey, some spills may happen, but this is developmental, but trying to decrease that spillage. So I made the cup weighted. And what that does is it gives the baby some tactile information that keys into their sensory system to allow them to know where the cup is in space. And as they know that that cup is in their hand, they are more likely to grab it with both hands and to be able to bring that to their mouth. So cups out there that have these big handles, they actually have the child's arms moving out, which is really, which is why they end up holding it with one hand is Mm -hmm. because babies want their hands to come in midline. And we, as medical practitioners, want everything to come towards midline. We want their hands to be at midline. We want their tongue to be at midline when they're swallowing. We want their throat to be at midline, not turned to one side or the other Mm -hmm. in order to have a safe swallow. We want baby to be able to be at that midline. So the sensory input from silicone. Silicone, this is food grade silicone. We mm. have knockoffs now, which we could talk about later, but yeah, that yeah, are not it. food grade silicone. Right. Anytime we're putting liquids, food into a cup, we want it to be food grade silicone and safe for children. So this is food grade silicone. And what it does is it can actually flex at the rim. Mm. So it protects that developing, those developing teeth. It protects their very sensitive gum line as teeth are getting ready to emerge as compared to metal and plastic and glass cups. And then the sensory bumps at the bottom of the cup also allow for that stability. So if the child puts it down onto, you know, their high chair tray uh, really roughly that it's it's going to wobble and not really knock over. So right. it's a really well thought out technique and tool to help parents really facilitate that milestone and really help with their baby's development. Right. Silicone, of course, is a wonderful material. I think it should be used more in oral Mm. care products, trays, toothbrushes, bristles. But the big advantage here is obviously the tactileness of it, the feedback that they get, the safety if you drop it. But also, I mean, remember, and we keep, we forget this often, you don't want to use plastic with your child, especially as they're developing, you know, endocrine disruptors and all that. What is the difference between, if there is any, in terms of development, or timing between open cup drinking properly and straw drinking? Yes. So with an open cup, we're working on lip closure. With the straw cup, we're working on lip rounding. So for those of you who are watching a video or or do this with me, or if you're listening to the podcast, do this with me, close your lips. Like you're going to do the M sound. Mm, Mm -hmm. That's lip closure. Then round your lips, like pretending you're going to drink from a straw. That's lip rounding, very different muscle movements. And just like all other aspects of of muscles, you know, biceps, triceps, et cetera, you need to have a certain muscle movement mastered before moving on to the next movement. So for oral development, we need to have that lip closure Mm -hmm. to be able to learn how to breathe through our nose before we start doing lip rounding. And what is so important for parents to understand is that The reason why you want to introduce an open cup before a straw cup is that when we introduce a straw cup, the child has to know how to hold their breath in Mm. order to suck. So parents will say, I've been trying, you know, the straw cup with my six month old and they're just not getting it. And I'll say, have you done an open cup? No. And I'm like, do the open cup first so they get that Mm -hmm. mastery of being able to have that muscle movement and then be able to introduce a straw to work on that lip rounding. That's what a lot of parents do. They go from the bottle and they try and replace it with a straw Yes, and it's not going to work because they've been holding their breath. uh, They haven't been holding their breath with uh, the bottle. So they've been storing the liquid drink in their mouth. So when should that occur? The ability to be able to hold your breath and drink through a straw. I always say that the prerequisites for straw drinking is one, we should be able to sit upright. So I see a lot of therapists even trying to teach straw drinking with children who do not have the core strength to be able to sit up. So that is definitely a prerequisite. 
The second prerequisite is that your baby needs to be able to drink from the open cup to have mm -hmm. that lip closure, which is right. really important. And then the third is that your baby needs to be able to suck off of your finger. Mm -hmm. So I always say that if you put your finger in your baby's mouth, if your baby is sucking on that, then you know that they have that skill. But I still have like seven month old, eight month old, right. nine month old that still can't do that. Right. So then we're going to go back to utensils <laughs> and making sure that your child is eating off of the right size utensil because usually if they're not sucking off their finger, that's because the utensils, the spoon that they're using has too big of a spoon bowl and your child isn't learning how to suck off that, which is the next prerequisite. Like, is your baby able to suck mm -hmm. and get food off of a spoon? So when you're looking at that spoon after your child eats it, is there still food left over on that spoon or did mm -hmm. your child get all of right. the puree off of that. Those are all the prerequisites. If your baby's doing all that, that usually happens around nine months of age, then we're going to introduce that straw. Right. Talk about the straw and why it has the tactile bumps on it, yeah. also the angle. There's so many considerations for parents to think about when they choose a straw. The first consideration is a straw cup. The first consideration is you want to make sure that the cup size is appropriate to your child's age and stage. So for example, there's lots of cups out there on the market that have 12, 15, 16, 18 ounces, and they're saying this is for babies. Well, baby's stomach is only one to two ounces. So it is completely inappropriate for that child's age and stage. And parents don't know that. So what parents will do is they'll that's how force feeding starts happening is because they see their baby and they see this cup that is designed for babies and they think that they have to have that many ounces. The mini cup and straw training system that I designed for older babies and toddlers is four ounces. And the reason why that is, is because during the toddler years, they're really only supposed to be having four ounces of mm -hmm. liquid at mealtime. Right. We know that if a child drinks more than that, it can increase the likelihood of picky eating. So we yes. want to have those liquids be appropriate for the age of stage and pro appropriate so that they don't cause delays, damages, and disorders later on. Right. So we want to make sure that the size is appropriate. We want to make sure that the straw length is appropriate. So the mini cup and straw training system that I designed straw is very short because we're trying to ask a child to hold their breath for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. The other straw cups on the market, for those of you who can see this, are super long. Mm -hmm. And that is a very long time for a child to hold their breath and right. be safe. And so what happens? Exactly. Yeah. They can't hold their breath. And so then they keep sucking and that liquid goes down into their lungs. They cough, they sputter, and they never want to drink from a straw cup again. Right. And then parents are stuck with that baby being on the bottle because they don't have another way to make sure that their child is getting nourishment. So the first safety feature is a small ounces. The second safety feature is a short straw. Sure. The third safety feature is the curvature of that straw. A lot of the straws are straight. And what mm -hmm. happens is that the child doesn't exactly doesn't have that angle to protect their airway. Right. So this is the training straw. And the reason why I designed that is to have that curvature so it keeps that child in mm -hmm. that tucked position to maintain good airway closure. And then there's sensory bumps at the very tip of the straw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's there to keep the lips at the very tip of the straw in order to have good lip rounding. As long as a child keeps the lips at the very tip, we're going to see these muscles or wrinkles in my case around the lips to really strengthen that closure around the straw and help to propel liquids through the straw to be able to swallow effectively. That tactile cue is really all that babies need mm -hmm. in order to really master straw drinking. And what's so great about the straw cup that I designed is that once a child consistently, it could take a couple days for some kids, weeks for others. Once a parent consistently sees that the lips are at the tip of the straw, then they can flip this training straw over and it becomes an advanced straw, mm -hmm. which is a straight straw, so no curvature, and does not have those sensory bumps. So then you know that your child has actually mastered straw drinking, and then you can move on to any other type of straw cups that you like, and that allows them to have the steps, the sequence to be able to right. learn. 
I suppose the sensory bumps also are like kind of like a, a landing spot for the tongue because yes. if the child puts too much straw in the mouth, it could gag. So it's yes. kind of like a reminder. It's comfortable to them. Yes, yes. And we'll see that, you know, tons of videos on my Instagram at MissDonnaSLP, on Easy Peasy's Instagram at Easy Peasy Fun, showing babies, older babies, toddlers using this for the first time and kind of licking it with their tongue and really feeling that straw. And what that is doing is it's giving them that sensory opportunity. Feeding is all sensory. Everything that we do with liquids and food is all sensory. Mm -hmm. When we offer cups that take away the sensory experience where we can't smell it, we can't taste it, we can't touch it, it really impacts children and they don't want to have it. So we want to be able to provide tactile cues whenever we can in order to be able to facilitate that learning process. The more sensory experiences children have, the more learning occurs. So it's being able to offer that curvature, offer those sensory bumps to help increase their learning opportunity. Right. Anything that parents should look out for? Let's say they don't want to buy this or for some reason it's not available. We have listeners all over the world. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. sell outside of the US yet, but what should they look out for? I mean, with these conventional cups, obviously the size is too big. The water comes in or the beverage comes in too quickly. The angle of the straw, anything else other than the plastics, the danger of BPA-free products? Yes, a couple of things. Well, one, Easy Peasy is in 60 countries. So the chances are we're- in your country or we're getting close. Right. But if you can't find easy peasy products, what you can do is if the straw is long, you can cut Mm. the straw Mm -hmm. so that you only want just a little bit of an angle of a straw out there. And that is just enough for the lips to come. So you can cut the straw. If you're using a weighted straw, you want to cut that off. As well, because what happens with weighted straws, not only does it collect mold, and we can have a whole talk show on on mold with with children, it collects mold because you can't clean it, but it also weighs that straw down, which keeps the liquid up towards the tip of the straw, which makes it easier for your child to actually suck from a straw. But the problem is, is that they're not learning to hold their breath and protect their airway. So those kids have difficulties with conversational speech. So putting two, three, four, five words together because they don't have the breast part. They end up talking like this, cookie, ma, because they haven't learned to be able to hold their breath. They choke more often and they Mm -hmm. gag more often because, again, they haven't learned to be able to use those muscles to protect their airway. And they haven't been using their muscles to learn how to nose breathe in order to do that because they're just sucking because the liquid is right there and they're not really coordinating their nasal and oral cavity correctly. I've seen a lot of children in my practice have food, certain food phobias, and it probably goes back to an incident of aspiration because they weren't good swallowers, eaters, drinkers, and you know, they were in an environment that didn't allow them to do that. And then that has ramifications down the road. So, which is sad. Um, Let's talk about eating, uh, which is just as important. I know you have a whole line of products for eating when, so I guess we should start with the milestones. When should a child start eating solid food? I mean, as solid as possible. I am very tired of seeing these wonderful, organic, very, very well-made products that are blended in these little bags, very convenient for parents, but there's no texture to the food and the child is not chewing. They're slurping up the food and chewing is key for development. Well, it tells it, makes the muscles work harder. It's the muscles that shape the face, the swallowing muscles, the tongue muscle, cheek muscles, buckle, you know, Mm -hmm. buckle muscles, all these muscles that help get the food down into the, past the airway to the gut, uh, those have to be working for proper facial development and hence proper airway development. So eating solid food is important. How does a parent accomplish that without fear of aspiration? Of course, that's the pushback we get most often. Yes. So food pouches is really, they're very convenient for families. Mm -hmm. And I get that, you know, we are in a society where we are on the go, but I always say at the beginning, we talked a little bit about this. The products are there to serve a certain purpose. And when we abuse or misuse that product, that's when 
delays, damages, and disorders occur. So a pouch is a wonderful tool for a family who does not have the time to blend their own foods or right. does not have the time to be able to offer the nourishment or the different types of mm -hmm. colors and smells and tastes that they want to introduce to their child. Or for travel. Exactly, for yep. travel. The con is, is that, again, we've taken all of the sensory aspects away. The mm -hmm. child can't see the color of that food because it's in a pouch. They can't smell it. They're not tasting it because they're suckling. And so it's just going down their gullet. They're not really exploring that taste and that texture. They're taking away that movement. Another con is that it is doing suckling instead of swallowing. So right. suckling is the swallow reflex from newborn to six months of age. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who could see me, suckle by sticking your tongue in and out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So that is normal for infants to six months of age. At six months of age, the expectation is that tongue is going to go to the roof of the mouth. So swallowing your saliva, feel your tongue going to the roof of your mouth. That's the tongue placement. So we're going with that tongue anterior, posterior with the suckle and then elevating that tongue with a swallow. What pouches do, if you allow your child to drink from a pouch, is you're reversing. You're going backwards with that tuck suckle. I kind of use it as training wheels. Pouches put training wheels back on the bike. And so you're reversing when you really want your child to ride the bike and right. be able to be independent. So if pouches are something that your family really needs to have because you're on the go, all you have to do is take that pouch and put it mm -hmm. into an open cup. Right. Allow your child to drink that. An open cup is great for thin liquids like water, slightly thicker liquids like breast milk and formula, purees like pouches or right. smoothies. Your child can drink multiple textures just like you and I do. We drink juices, we drink smoothies, we drink shakes, right? So you can take that pouch if you're on the go, just bring an open cup with you or bring a straw cup with you. The mini cup and straw training system that I designed has a large diameter of the straw so you can pour that food pouch into there and be able to offer that to your child mm -hmm. or bring a small bowl, put the pouch into the bowl provide your child with a baby led spoon and let your child practice those spoon milestones. There's lots of options for that. It's when they suck from a pouch. And in the United States, sippy cups, pacifiers, and pouches are one of the number one reasons for ER visits because it does damage to the oral cavity. And so what you were saying earlier about children having food phobia most of the children that won't eat fruits and vegetables have had damage to their oral cavity mm -hmm. from a food pouch because right. what's in a food pouch, 99% of the time, it's fruits and vegetables. We're trying to right. get those fruits and vegetables. And now right. they don't want to, you know, have fruits and vegetables because they've had, you know, they've, these toddlers are mobile. They're sucking on that pouch and face plant and mm -hmm. that hard plastic goes plastic. up into yeah. that gum line and right. really causes damages to the oral cavity. I think uh, the key is what we're seeing just by talking is that the sooner your kid eats like a adult, the better in so many, so many ways. Let's talk a little bit about pacifiers. What's the milestone for being off of a pacifier? And I know this is a very tough subject. A lot of parents are like, the pacifier helps me get through the yes. day. And how would your products and feeding schedule and methodology and also your almost 30 years of experience? Do you have to teach your child before you start feeding them solid food? I mean, you can't just come out of the blue and say, hey, eat this piece of right. broccoli. Right. I mean, that's unreasonable because it's a learning process. You have to yes. work hard on getting them. You have to set them up for it, right? Right. Setting them up for success, but setting mm -hmm. you as a parent up for right. success is actually a route that can be mutually beneficial and beneficial yeah, yes, right. to everyone involved. So- for the other speech pathologists that are going to be listening to this, it is a very sensitive subject in mm -hmm. our field, as I'm sure in yours as well. So a lot of speech pathologists say no pacifiers, never, ever, 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 ever. I am not in that camp. I'm in the camp of we need to teach babies to self-soothe. Mm -hmm. We need to teach babies to be able to developmentally protect their airway. So there is research that shows that pacifiers protect children's airway and decreases SIDS. That's a positive. 
We know that pacifiers help babies learn to soothe and calm their sensory system in order to learn and explore their environment. That is important. We know also that pacifiers cause feeding challenges, picky eating, speech delays, mm -hmm. language delays, socialization delays. Sleeping so issues. I, sleep issues, right? Mm -hmm. Airway issues. I mean, mm -hmm. just dental issues. I mean, you can right. just go on. Right. So there's a, a happy medium. I always say that we want to have that pacifier gone at the six month birthday. Mm -hmm. And parents are like, what? And I said, if you've ever tried to take a pacifier away from a two year old, you better know jujitsu. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because right. it is going to be a fight and you're probably going to lose. So if we take that pacifier away at the six month mark, we need to take that self soothing away and mm -hmm. offer another self soothing opportunity. Right. Guess what starts at six yep. months? open cup drinking. Guess what starts at six months? A baby led spoon. Guess what starts at six months? Being able to self feed, having some safe, soft strips of foods that babies are going to be able to grab and put that soft piece of pear or banana into their mouth mm -hmm. and start to work those gums right. to self soothe. Right. When we start to grind our teeth, I'm writing a blog at two o'clock in the morning. I'm not reaching for a puree. I want to have something. My jaw is going to work in order mm -hmm. to relax our muscles in order to decrease stress. Babies need that too. So when babies are crying at six months and need self-soothing, then guess what? We're going to put them in the high chair. We're going to offer them some breast milk or formula from a cup. We're going right. to offer them some soft strips of food for them to be able to eat and teach right. them to self-soothe. So I am pro pacifiers from birth to six months. And then I help families overcome that pacifier hurdle right. by introducing solids at the appropriate time. Right. So I have some families that are so afraid to start solids that they don't start solids till 9, 10, 11 yeah. months of age, which right. is so scary. And now we've got a toddler that has this great vocabulary that has one word, <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and or mine. Right. And we're fighting that battle, right? right? If we go through development... And we hit those stages and we're using products appropriately for those stages and not misusing. You know, I see five-year-olds with pacifiers. That's a misuse and abuse of that product, right? Yep. Yep. So there are four and a half months delayed right. and four and a half years delayed in certain skills, guaranteed. Right. So it's being able to allow the oral cavity to do what it's meant to do and allow your child to do what it's meant to do. Those parents who are gripped in fear of, you know, getting rid of the pacifier or starting sticks shaped foods for babies to actually put onto their gum line are generally not educated on the benefits of that. So right. this is why I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here with your audience is to really encourage them that your baby knows what to do. Your baby knows how to self-soothe. Your baby yes. knows how to be able to eat. Your baby knows how to be able to swallow. We just need to give them the tools to be able to exactly. do Exactly. It's um, the environment. We yes. create a different environment, different yes. set of tools. Expectations are different. And that's what the baby is fighting their DNA. I mean, their ancestry. Yeah. I mean, that's why the teeth come in. That's why there's a first set and a second set. Right. The teeth are there at age four to seven months for a reason. Teething pain, I think, is related to eating and chewing and, and that proprioception of as the yes. teeth come in that biting down and yes. a lot of parents will maybe at best give a little frozen plastic tool to them, right. you know, plaything. but really it's about food. And I love what you say about the baby being able, of course, I'm in Napa Valley and the sommiers would be very excited about this, but <laughs> you know, wine glasses are shaped for a very specific, in a specific way so yes. that you can actually first smell and appreciate the bouquet, the smell I think it's the same with uh, any food or any drink and yes. the babies are able to see it. First of all, I mean, right. directly, not inside of a bottle and they can right. smell it. I mean, you can sense food, our yes. body's ability, the olfactory, there's so much going on and that's why it's so pleasurable, right? You know, the nerve endings in the tongue. And of course the, the erectile tissue in the nasal, the lining of the nose. I mean, it's all there for a reason. Why not introduce that early on and let your child thrive and be happy and have a good relationship with food. 
Right. And that's why there are the signs of readiness. Mm -hmm. And those signs of readiness are there to help the caregiver see that baby Mm -hmm. is ready. Your baby doesn't just wake up and know how to be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. sit in a high chair and be able to eat. They are showing you these signs of readiness. So I'll go over a couple of them for your audience. We'll love that. That's a great term. I love that term. Is your baby sitting up, right? Mm The reason why your baby needs to sit up independently is because we need them to have that core stability mm-hmm. in their trunk in order to be able to manipulate the midline of their mouth. Right. If baby is face planning when you are sitting him into the high chair, then they're not <laughs> going to be able to protect that airway. Right. They need to have that core stability. So one of the signs of readiness is being able to sit up on their own. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to have perfect posture. You can, no. you know, roll up a little towel and kind right. of give them a little bit more support. But generally speaking, they need to be able to sit up. And that's really important too, that again, as your baby is sitting up, if they start to lose control and tilt back in their hair with air in their high chair, their airways open. And again, yep. we have that choking concern. Exactly. So that is something your baby's going to show you. If your baby is not able to sit up, then guess what? We need to increase that tummy time. Babies newborn to the first year of life, full-term babies newborn to first year of life, is supposed to be doing an hour of tummy time every single day. Mm -hmm. Most of the families that I work with that are struggling with solids that had a choking incident, I'll say, oh, baby's not really sitting up on their own and and you're trying to shove food down their throat. How many hours or minutes of tummy time. They're like, oh, I just thought tummy time was just for the newborn phase, right? Right? And and that it was fun. I'm like, no, we we need to take a step back and work on that tummy time, get that core. And tummy time helps with head stability. That's another. And neck muscles, yep. Right? Mm -hmm. We need to think about how much you move your head Mm -hmm. during mealtime. Yes. You need to be able to have that dexterity. And the head is the heaviest part of your baby. So. If your baby tilts down for a sip of that cup and then, again, face plants because (laughs) they don't have the neck skills, that's a problem. So we're looking for that. We are looking for babies to bring things to their mouth. Mm -hmm. So one of the first feeding milestones is baby will bring a spoon to their mouth. Doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean food has to be on it, but bring a spoon to their mouth. If they're bringing objects to their mouth, teethers, your keys, you know, your cell phone that they're sucking on, then that's showing you, hey, there's a sign of readiness there. And if your baby is watching you eat, like you were just saying with the wine, like if you were drinking a glass of wine, I'd be watching you because I want a glass of wine, right? (laughs) So so are they watching you eat? Are they watching you drink? Are they aware that something's in that cup that they want? That's a sign of readiness. Are they reaching for your food, right? right? Now, the biggest sign of readiness that I like to really impose on your listeners is that they're at least six months of age. And the reason for that is because we have reflexes in our mouth Mm -hmm. that need to be there in place, tongue thrust to Mm -hmm. be able to protect their airway in order for them to swallow safely. If you start solids at four months of age, which I don't even know how, but I hear this all the time from families. My pediatrician says four months. Well, they're not even able to lift that tongue up to the right. roof of the mouth to protect right. their airway. Yep. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, almost every single medical body says to wait till six months of age. Now, if your baby was born two weeks early, then you're waiting till six months of age and two weeks to start solids. And your baby needs to have that six month of age and all those signs of readiness. Some of the families that I work with, the baby is seven months of age Mm -hmm. and still not showing those signs of readiness. And so we're working on that tummy time and other things. But we want to make sure that your child has a great safe start to the skill that you're going to teach them how to do Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. So I tell families, don't try to start solids earlier. Really wait till you see all those signs. Right. And do everything in in very slow, methodical steps. I mean, it's not just something that the child turns on is able to go from a bottle to solid food or drinking from a cup. So let's sum everything up. And I'd like to get you back and talk more about eating. That's a yes. and that's older age, of course, but that's also a fascinating topic. You have a whole range of products for that as well. Yes. You know, spoons, forks. The good news about these products is that if you're working with your children, and they throw this at you, <laughs> like, I want my bottle. 
back. (laughs) It won't damage the house or the sheetrock or your dental work. So let's summarize. So let's talk about just in general, the milestones, a little bit of certainly bottle feeding, but a pacifier use is okay. Most parents like to hear that because Mm -hmm. most Mm -hmm. kids do. Thumb sucking was a big thing. I don't see it as much anymore. And it could be the way we've gone to bottle feeding more, but that's another topic. So all of that's okay because, you know, the facial development takes six to nine years. Most of it, 90% of it's done by age six or seven. So you've got time, but talk about the milestones because I want parents to appreciate that this is a step-by-step process that leads up to success. And so just let's just summarize that real quickly again. The first couple steps is being able to find five minutes in your schedule to start with that open cup drinking Mm -hmm. and be able to establish that routine that we are going to start drinking liquids, primarily breast milk or formula from an open cup. And then the next step is as your child is drinking from an open cup from six months of age to around nine months of age, you're going to start introducing a straw cup and really working on them holding that breath and being able to protect their airway. We're going to talk more about eating in another episode, but around that nine to 10 month mark, the pincer grass starts to develop too. Mm -hmm. So during the time that we start to hold their, teach them to hold their breath and be able to swallow, they're also picking up smaller pieces of food and putting into their mouth. So we're really starting to help protect that airway. Everything is kind of moving in that right development. Then we're also during this time offering stick-shaped foods at the length and thickness of an adult pinky finger so that can go down onto the gum line so baby can actually start to learn to be able to chew. Babies don't need to have teeth in order to chew soft foods. Mm. So we're going to have that stick-shaped food that they're going to be able to place onto their gum line and really start to work their jaw in order to be able to, again, start to learn how to masticate and be able to have everything come towards midline and to be able to have that tongue move to swallow that food bolus and really start to prepare a nice swallow. The, all of these products are complementary to development. So easy peasy products, if you go to easypeasyfun.com, you can get any of these developmentally appropriate products. You can use the code AskTheDentist10, which is a discount code that we gave to you to be able to have your community and your listeners be able to receive those products for a discount. So AskTheDentist10 is the code that you want to use at checkout at easypeasyfun.com and be able to see the difference. Take a peek at a straw cup that's on the market and this straw cup, the mini cup and straw training system, uh, we have different sizes for development. So this is for babies at two ounce. The mini cup and straw is for older babies and toddlers at four ounce. Then we have the happy straw, which is for older toddlers to preschoolers at eight ounces. You can see the developmental progression and why that's so important. Taking out the straws of the mini cup and the happy cup here we are again with length or straws, but you compare them to other straws, it's still even at the preschool level, we're still not at the same straw right. length as other competitors that are, sell this for babies. So you want to really think about this. If some of this education makes sense to you as a parent and, you know, it's really it? resonating with you right. that, you know, yeah, actually products should be designed by a child's oral development. Exactly. Then research that, go onto the website, learn more about it. I write the blog for easy peasy. So there's tons of information in there about oral development and really helping your child make these oral motor movements in order to swallow safely, to decrease picky eating, and to really help protect the teeth and help to have that speech emerge accurately. And so that you don't need to see a speech pathologist for speech therapy. (laughs) Is there any research out there? I think I may have seen a study on the relationship to the ability to walk and the ability to chew and eat properly. Does that coincide? Is there an inverse, a, a direct relationship between the two? Yes. Despite what the new CDC guidelines say, um, there there are developmental milestones for crawling and walking. And those milestones for rolling over, sitting up, crawling and walking go and Mm -hmm. coincide with movements of the mouth. So what is fascinating about that is that 
as your child starts to learn to be able to roll over, guess what? The tongue starts to move from right. side to side. You know, as your child is sitting up and learning to sit up, that tongue is starting to actually come up to the roof of the mouth to help stabilize. Like think about when you're lifting weights, where is your tongue at, right? Mm-hmm. It's at midline and it's mm-hmm. it's really helping to stabilize you. Right. As your child is crawling and moving and and being able to move their arms to cross midline. Well, guess what? Your baby's crossing midline when they're right. eating and searching for food in that high chair. As your child is starting to walk and balance, that's when we start to be able to have multiple mm-hmm. textures, right? We're right. starting to offer, you know, sandwiches and toast and different things with multiple textures because the mouth has to do a whole bunch of yeah. a variety of movements. This is development this is the way that children are supposed to be able to move as your child is walking they're not supposed to be you know having a a sippy cup hanging out of their mouth you know (laughs) there's they're supposed to you know focus on that gross motor movement and then when they're eating they're focusing on that gross motor movement so yeah no um, i see that in my older patients as well where loss of uh, teeth a lot of dental work that's not done correctly, occlusion, then comes the loss of balance, then comes the broken hip. Uh, Yes. uh, I actually uh, love this cup. I have introduced this to my mother-in-law, who's 93 years old, and she's in a assisted care, and she loves her iced teas. And I saw her picking up a glass, and it was, she wasn't steady. She wasn't comfortable. She hasn't, didn't drop the glass, but I've seen the elderly drop glasses, and that's a very traumatic moment for them. But this is perfect for her as well. Also, it's easier when she's sitting in a wheelchair instead of, you know, having to do this, you know, they don't have the strength. I mean, so this is such a wonderfully engineered product. It is heavily engineered. You wouldn't know it just by looking at it. So I want to congratulate you on this. Um, We mentioned it earlier. It's such a good product that you have imitators. This is a common problem for products that are really popular. So Obviously, when you use our affiliate link, the the code ask the dentist ten, you'll get the right product. But what if they're looking? I mean, what any tips on like on Amazon, for example? Amazon has a tendency to <sighs> offer many products that look similar, and some a lot of them are not; they're fakes. Yes, literally, this is what drives me to drink at night is because <laughs> not a, only easy peasy cup, I hope. <laughs> right, right, yes. <laughs> Good. Not only is it hurtful as a designer, right? that you make this safe, beautiful product and someone copies it and makes it unsafe. You know, first of all, most of those copies are not food grade silicone, so it's not safe for children. So that scares me because, you know, we'll get, we'll get calls saying, you know, oh, you know, my easy peasy product smelt or eroded or did that. And I'll ask them to take, send a picture and 99.9% of the time, it's not our product. Right. So, and it makes it so sad because Mm -hmm. parents are learning about developmentally appropriate products, but then the copies out there are so good. And we see that with everything, right? Purses, beds, I mean, everything, there's a copy. And the problem with the copies in the feeding world for children is that they're not safe. They have toxic chemicals Mm -hmm. in them. They have issues of development. They're hard to clean. Right. Exactly. And so it just, parents are going out there, they're doing their due diligence, they're trying to get educated, they're trying to find the right things, and then they get lied to Mm -hmm. by these other companies and get swindled. And not only, you know, does that traumatize a parent, and then they're not sure what to do, but it it also can traumatize a child because those aren't designed specifically to make sure that baby is safe. In addition to that, copies and different things of other brands, parents are like, well, if, you know, these very popular brands that are not copies are making products, then those must be safe. Well, they're not safe either because there's a lot of the brands out there, again, are not designed by a pediatric feeding specialist. So I've seen products out there for six month olds that have a fork and a spoon and a knife. Mm -hmm. And what? Like, so fork skills don't even come into play until toddler years. Right. And we're not giving, and we're not supposed to be giving children sharp objects, but right. here's a sharp fork for a six yeah. month old right. and a knife, no less. And parents buy them because it's a, you know, a reputable brand. Right. And they think that that must be the right thing. So it's really confusing with knockoffs and with really reputable brands, you know, 
making inappropriate products. And so it's that juggle. And, and you know, you see that in the dental industry as well. It's right. just, it's, yeah. it's really sad for families. They, right. They're not educated in that. Dishwasher safe, right? Yes. Dishwasher okay. safe, microwave safe. So if you have a slow drinker or a slow eater, you can always put that Good. in the microwave for a few Good. seconds, warm that up. If your baby is teething, you can put some breast milk or formula into the cup, put it in the freezer, get the cup to be really nice and cold in order to help stimulate that. Um, you can flex the rim of the cup. If you have a child who may be sticking the tongue underneath the cup mm-hmm. or inside the cup, mm. You can flex it to help to stimulate the ridges of the mouth to actually put pressure to do lip closure and put the tongue in the right place. So that's another great safety feature. You can rim the cup. So with some of my children that have low tone, like some of my babies with Down syndrome, I will take the rim of the cup and I will put it a little bit of lime juice or lemon juice uh, to kind of really increase the sensory right. property of that. So they're, right. they'll put their lips on and woo, get a, get a nice <laughs> little uh, t- a taste of that to really help stimulate and, right. and encourage That's them a great to, idea. to drink. I love the, the thinness of the edge. Most of us understand this as adults. I mean, a very thick edged glass doesn't feel right. And there, there's mm-hmm. a reason for it. Don, I am just so impressed. I mean, with all the engineering, your knowledge, how you've been able to integrate the two. I've seen this system in practice. I really wish I had it for my three daughters. There was nothing like this available. I was experimenting with stuff, modifying things, but that really wasn't enough. But it's available now. I see this in action with my grandkids. I'll include some photos of my grandson, probably at age nine months grabbing this little cup and, you know, just like with his little fingers and doing this and looking around and then doing it again, putting it down nine times out of 10, it would land properly and stay upright. I mean, it was such a joy to see that. And you know what? He was having a lot of fun because he was with our five-year-old granddaughter four back then. And they were having tea parties, you know, and, and by the way, this is one of the best tea party sets out there. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Thank you. Because it's safe, doesn't break. Don, so we'll get you back. We'll talk about eating, which is just as important. Again, another milestone. I want to give that enough time. We'll include the in the show notes, uh, links, photos, uh, more about your bio. Are you still in clinical practice? Do you still see patients? Yes. Or yes. So how would they get a hold are... of you or how would they find you? Yes, you can reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook, and it's at Miss Dawn SLP. So M S D A W N S L P. If you're struggling with starting solids or struggling with cup drinking or straw drinking, I do parent coaching online. So anywhere wow. you are in the United States, I can or, or countries, I can help facilitate that. Sometimes it's only a 30 minute consult to really mm-hmm. kind of help get you back on track. Exactly. If you are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm completely behind on all of these things, it's never too late. Exactly. You can absolutely start to incorporate open cup drinking with your three-year-old, your five-year-old, incorporate straw drinking. Your children still need to have mastery of those skills. So you absolutely can do that. I can help you along the way. So yes, um, at Miss Donna SLP is a great way to be able okay. to reach out I'll to me put- on my social. I have videos and tips and techniques to be able to help facilitate any type of eating and swallowing issue that you okay. might be experiencing. And if you want to throw me a video that you think is helpful, I can also post that as well. For, for those of you who are just getting the audio version of this episode, I wouldn't worry. You can always go back and see some of the things that we're talking about. But I think if you were to go to the Easy Peasy website and see the mm-hmm. products, it would all come to you, you know, just in minutes and the understanding and comprehension of how well engineered these products are. So we'll end it here, Don. I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. I hope you have a multi-line phone. You're going to get some calls. Thank you. And I get so much joy when seeing these products in use, mostly with my grandkids, but I've seen it with other kids as well. And I know you do well at shows and you've really done a great service helping our kids develop properly, enjoy food, get eating right. I mean, you know, I always talk about how sleep is not, or breathing for that matter. It's not innate. In other words, we need to learn how to breathe properly, how to sleep properly. We can't yes. assume that we're just good at it out of the box. And and most of us are not for a variety of reasons. So these things really, really help quite a bit. So I will put all those links into the show notes. 
we'll talk again soon, hopefully by the end of the year. I know you've got new products coming out. So that's exciting. I can't wait to see what's next. (laughs) And if anyone out there has any questions in general for this podcast, go to speakpipe.com slash ask the dentist. And we've talked about facial development, about what not to use and go to our website on sippy cups, the dangers of sippy cups, go to askthedentist.com. And again, if you need to talk to a professional and not all dental professionals, whether it's a speech pathologist, myofunctional therapist, dentist, certainly dentist, not everyone is up to speed on this. I mean, right. there's very little mention about the right way and, and the milestones, for example, and all of that. So go to our directory. We have a directory of functional dentists. Go to askthedentist.com slash directory. Again, Don, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. It exceeded my expectations. I was Aww. thinking about this all week. I'm a total nerd like yeah. you are. And uh, <laughs> it was fun to, to nerd out with this. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. And thanks everyone for your interest in oral health. Oral health starts at a very, very young age. And it's important. And as you've hopefully learned today, it's learning how to eat and drink is so, so important for your overall health as well. Again, thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. (laughs) If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. This will help others discover the same oral health information that you've been using to optimize your overall health. As always, I appreciate your support and your reviews. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.